This show is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today. Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring Daniel Aaron Dilger, who writes for Apple Insider. A little bit later, you'll hear from Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer, and we've got a big plate of stuff to talk about. So let's begin on the Tech Night Owl Live. Ah! I'm sounding enthusiastic about that, Daniel Aaron Dilger. Thank you for joining us. And I wanted to mention to you, and you're just becoming familiar with it right now, but I know this thing has been talked about before. An article from ZDNet, a publication which is affiliated with CNET, that is usually sympathetic to Android, but is saying that open source is killing Android. Now, really, open source, when it comes to operating systems, they've had their problems. You know, we don't have Linux on the desktop unless you're a power user. We still have proprietary operating systems. Android rules the roost as far as market share is concerned, but it's long had problems. Go ahead, please. Well, open source means a a number of different things. I mean, there's elements of Apple's operating system that's open source, but usually when people say when they talk about open source, they're talking about at least having the ability to download most of the underlying code in an operating system. And for Android, that's there's the Android open source program. That's why China has you know quite a lot of access to to Android. They've taken that access, and also um, Western companies like Amazon have taken a form a version of Android and run with it and gone off in in other ways. Amazon's version is basically proprietary. They call it Fire OS. There's a number of different distributions of Android, different versions of of Android in China that some of them aren't even called Android anymore because they've made enough changes. But they're based on, you know, some of the same underlying code. And what they're sharing is that's not the best part of Android. The underlying code of Android is, you know, it's it's Linux and then it's based on a, a runtime that's related to Java, essentially. There's a lot of, you know, not the best code in the world that is part of Android. And really a lot of the most valuable parts of Android are the parts that Google's adding on top. When you think of you know everything from Google Maps to Google Search and services, a lot of its key features, um, Google Play, things like that, are limited to the version of Android that Google ships to its partners uh, with kind of strict limitations on how they can use it and that they can't replace Google stuff. Google is working really hard to have it both ways. And, you know, they've done that to other companies, too. They've basically taken Linux, which is supposed to be copyleft, supposed to be wide open. You're not supposed to be able to take Linux and use it to do something completely proprietary. They have worked around Linux and added things to it that they're not sharing, but they built it in a way that it's sort of separate. So, I mean, they're, they're kind of dancing on that line. And then, they you know, they turn on to the same thing to Sun, which is now owned by the, their Java, which is now owned by Oracle. And... Oracle had 
a proprietary version of Java that they licensed to companies, and they also had a open version that they offered under a more promiscuous license. And Google basically took the promiscuous license but didn't follow the promiscuous license. They just took it. And so that's why Oracle is still in the process of suing Google over that. That happened a long time ago. That happened, you know, almost 10 years ago now. So, you know, when you say open source, it, it has like a good connotation. And there's a lot of good things about the idea of sharing source code. It is really good for interoperability. If everyone's using the same code since the beginning of the commercial web, basically, everybody was using BSD's networking code, even Microsoft. And the result was that computers work together much better than if everyone had implemented their own code for networking and their operating system. So there's a lot of there's a lot of very obvious advantages to open source. Apple has taken advantage of that in many ways, things like Safari and WebKit. They made their entire browser, the entire functional part of their browser, open source, and a, a number of other companies. You know, Nokia took it and made a, a mobile browser, and Google did the same thing. They made a, a desktop browser. Chrome was basically, you know, that's they worked with Apple's code to take it and use it, and that's what Apple wanted them to do. And so now, like almost all the browsers in the world, because Chrome is one of the most important desktop browsers, and Safari is certainly one of the most um, important mobile browsers that are all running this code that started with Apple. And of course, Apple doesn't really make money from that, but they benefit from it, and so does everybody else. And what I'm seeing here is you can make components open source, and it helps everybody. But the full yeah. operating system, that's not always convenient because then you get chaos. Well, it's it's hard to, to really say it like that because there's different ways to open source things, too. You can, you can have a promiscuous license. You can have a BSD-type license where you're saying this is available for you to use and run with it. That's kind of you know how Safari and the Apache browser and a lot of things that were shared, that's how they've been shared. And they've been commercially embraced because it gives people who are borrowing the code quite a lot of leverage and how they want to use it. And then the other extreme is copyleft, where you can't do anything to it unless you share what you do to it as well. And that's what Linux has been. And that causes problems because if you're shipping a wide open Linux and you're insisting that if anybody compiles a driver into it for proprietary hardware, like a video card or something like that, everyone else, ha they have to, they're supposed to be opening that up to everyone. And Nobody wants to do that. I mean, companies that rely on intellectual property don't want to give it to everyone else, just give, give away all their stuff just because it's connected in some way to a copyleft software. So that's a barrier to commercial adoption to a lot of companies. And, you know, one example you've seen with Apple is when they worked with some of the Linux-oriented tools that were part of Unix, that is the basis of Mac OS X, the compiler chain that comes from GCC, the new compiler collection, I think it's called. It was difficult for Apple to really work with that and extend it and improve on it without giving away everything they did and to have give also giving up control over their own compiler system for creating software on their platform. And so they built an entirely new one. They built LLVM and um, all the associated software related to that and then on top of that, they've you know a couple of years ago they came out with Swift, which is their own language, and they've made that open source, in the same sort of like kind of promiscuous here you can take this and use it in ways that you'd like. To talk about open source as if it's kind of a binary thing, it's not. There's there's a lot of gray of what how things can be shared and whether they're shared in a way that benefits everyone or that benefits sort of this rigid ideology of you can't 
do anything. You can't own software. You know, on, in the extreme left, you know, it's communism, basically, which serves the goals of some people, but it doesn't really promote commercial activity, which is kind of the point. We're getting complicated here, and I want to simplify it for the sake of the Android problem. Okay. Now, the thing about Android that is most troublesome for users, forgetting if it's open source, closed source, which kind of open source license, that's stuff that, by and large, most people probably don't care about. But it's good to mention as a background. The problem with Android has long been fragmentation. That is, they come up with an update, and some of that update may contain critical security fixes that you need to prevent your smartphone from being hacked. But because of fragmentation, those updates rarely, if ever, reach the end user. We have about a minute left in this segment, so we should start this. Explain the problem. Why can't Google get Android licensees to deal with updates and send them in a timely fashion to the end user? I would say that's more of a problem with fragmentation of having a huge having a huge bunch of partners that you have to work with because Microsoft had a lot of the same problems. They had a, a difficulty in other companies layering their own junk on top of stuff and putting different kinds of hardware in the box. So Windows is running on different kinds of hardware and it's sort of designed to be. That's what a you know people talk about open platform. That's what they're often talking about and. Android inherited. Android basically looked at Windows and said, "This is the model that we're following." Except we're also going to be open source, which you know sounded nice, but the the end result is kind of the same: is that you have all these manufacturers that none of them are really motivated to to, to be producing really good, consistent hardware. They're not on, they're not promoted by the same thing Apple is. Let's break it here, and then we'll continue with this with Daniel Aaron Dilger and Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio. DreamHost.com radio. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. People seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. 
Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more. And this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. ParanormalDate.com. And use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. This is an alert. If your business or church is building this year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. A general steel building can save you as much as half the cost and time of similar conventional construction. And we're offering rebates of up to $20,000 to help you build today. Call General Steel for free information that could save you thousands. Call 866-91-STEEL. 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 I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shopped the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-403-4885. That's 1-800-403-4885. 1-800-403-4885. Or go to SelectQuote.com. We shop. You save. Get full details on the example policy at slowquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors not available in all states. As a doctor, I see patients every day who are losing their vision to age-related macular degeneration, also known as AMD. If you have blurry vision or blind spots, they can be symptoms of AMD, and if untreated, could lead to blindness. The good news? AMD can be managed with effective clinically approved treatments that may reverse some vision loss. For free AMD information, contact the Foundation Fighting Blindness at 1-800-BLINDNESS. That's 1-800-BLINDNESS. There is a cure in sight. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Here's a great way for you to support the Tech Night Owl Live, and that is to sign up for our special feature called Tech Night Owl Plus. We give you a commercial-free version of this show, better audio for a modest monthly, annual, five-year, or even a lifetime subscription rate. Check out plus.technightowl.com. That's plus.technightowl.com. Now, obviously, in the Windows platform, there are variations of how to Individual makers will set up their PCs with junkware, with hardware, etc. But the core operating system, you get the updates from Microsoft. They're released in a timely fashion. And when there are critical security fixes, they send them out. We've heard the legend of Patch Tuesday, for example. But there's no such thing with Android. And that's the thing. Because Google is not feeding the customer the update unless they have a pure Nexus phone. Those updates go to the manufacturer and the carrier, right? 
Yeah, so that has to do with a lot more with how much control the vendors has over the platform. And the reason why Google got to where it was was because it opened up and said, we're not going to exert so much control. We're just going to let things happen and we're going to let whoever do apps and we're not going to restrict anything and we're not going to worry about privacy or security or you know malware or anything. We're just going to fix it as it comes at us. And that did not work out to be a great strategy. You know, I, we kind of all knew that as it was happening. And a lot of people, including these people at Zenet that are just saying, oh, no, open source is bad now. They were the ones that were standing on their into their chair cheering about how great open source was and how the walled garden that Apple was doing was so restrictive. And now they're wrong and they're kind of admitting it because they're seeing it's wrong. And, you know, they keep talking about how Android is winning because it has more market share. It's not winning in the commercial uh, sense that they make money because Google doesn't really make that much money from it. Most of the money that Google makes from mobile devices comes from the demographic that Apple's attracted to iPhones. And that's why Google is so intent on getting its software on iOS. And I think it was Ben Jaron just wrote an article that was really kind of hit it really well, saying that basically iOS is the platform that everyone's bringing their best game to, whether it's Google or Microsoft or any other developer. They're coming to iOS because Apple's done a really good job of managing the platform. And if they have extra time, they may try to get a version for Android. But it's very difficult to hit enough of this huge install base with your app because there's so much fragmentation in terms of what software it can run and what software it is running. Because all these different hardware partners, most of them don't have any interest in putting Google's latest software on their device. And, of course, Google has an interest in doing that, but they can't. They, they were making a big deal about how they were going to get the last version of, of Android uh, Marshmallow that came out last year, last summer, last when it was announced, announced last summer, it was supposed to be running on these new phones that could cost as little as $100. And they showed some phones that, that could ship with the latest version of Android and sell for $100, but that didn't actually materialize because hardware companies didn't want to do necessarily what Google was telling them to do because there wasn't any money in it. They're trying to do whatever they can possibly do to scratch together some money and that doesn't really involve promoting Google's plans. Let me go into this figure, then you can add on that. I was okay. looking at the user base of specific operating system versions on Android, and there's a company called Mixed Panel Trends that will catalog the adoption rate. They catalog iOS too, and you see, for example, that iOS 9 right now, about three months before iOS 10 arrives, is on 85 to 90 percent of activated iOS devices. And the reason it's not on anymore is because there are a number of them that aren't compatible. Apple, you know, cuts some off and more will be cut off with iOS 10. So last year, last November, came out Android 6 Marshmallow, which is what, about 10% of the user base. The largest market share is Lollipop with 38.17% share. And this is an operating system that is closing in on two years. And the three-year-old operating system, 4.4 KitKat, has a 26.64 share. So the vast majority of Android users with, what, over 60% of the user base, they're using operating systems that are two or three years old. Continue, Daniel, please. Yeah, and part of that is that even if an update might be available, there's phones, you know, you can go go even to like major carriers websites and they will be showing you phones that you can buy that are, you know, a year or two old and they're not updated with the latest version of Android, even if they could run it. They're still shipping higher end 
or you know medium grade phones that with wildly outdated software. And even when you know even when Marshmallow came out, it was several months before the highest end phones from you know things like Samsung, which makes half the Android phones out there. It takes them several months to send out an update. Even if Google has the software available, they have to they have to coordinate it with all the custom hardware and drivers and stuff that they put on their individual phones, and they have to do it for so many different phones. And Apple's in such a different place because a they only have you know one major model every year that's significantly different. There's some very minor mod, uh, differences, and all of its new phones that they sell are among the, the latest version that they've made. So the, the, Apple's in a very um, desirable place in terms of how hard it is for them to support the hundreds of millions of users that they sell phones to every year. And there's no other vendor that's really in that league at all. If you buy today the cheapest iPhone, any iPhone, iPhone 6, iPhone 6S, iPhone SE, which is the low-end model, anything currently in the product line can be updated to the latest operating system now and for the next two or three years. But when they sell cheap Android phones, they don't even consider that maybe running a two-year-old operating system. Yeah. It's like buying something that's old. Yeah, I mean, it is. And, you know, that's been the case for a long time. I mean, how look how long Windows 95 stuck around because people were, just didn't want to arbitrarily change something to get something new. I, I read kind of recently someone was complaining that so it was one of the features of iOS 10 saying this is what it should have been when it first came out kind of thing. Maybe it was the Apple Watch, Watch OS 3 saying, oh, this is what it should have been. And we hear that a lot. But really what that means is that what Apple's doing now is clearly the smartest thing what it should be doing. It's, it's solving the problems that are outstanding, and it's patching up things that, that they didn't have perfectly the last time. And that's how maintenance software works. I mean, you just continually increment and make things better. And, you know, you can't really say that about every version of Android or every version of Windows because there's a lot of versions that people rejected because they didn't want what, what the vendor was arbitrarily changing. You know, Windows 10 has had a lot of pushback. Windows 8 had tremendous pushback. Windows 7, a lot of people didn't like that. It's just arbitrarily changing things to try to advance the strategy of trying to compete with the iPad. And same thing with Android. I mean, there's there's random changes that the Google has made that not only I don't think Google's users really care that much. You know, everyone that buys an Android phone doesn't really care that much because a lot of them are buying basically a feature phone and they're not even running apps on it. A lot of these phones can't even run apps. They're so low spec that they're just serving as a very basic phone for people, which is fine. I mean, that's fine. But to lump that in and say it's a equivalent to an iPhone as a development platform is clearly not true because if that were the case, the larger installed base of Android would matter more than it does. And it clearly does not matter that much because if we, you look at who's making software, they're not making for an Android first. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Apple Insider. More to come with Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Worried about lead, fluoride, and other contaminants in your drinking water? Get a ProPure with the Pro 1G 2.0 cleanable reusable filter and remove up to 200 contaminants. Drink water the way nature meant it to be clean, crisp, and refreshing. See the complete line of ProPure products, including the new ProMax shower filter. There's a ProPure for you. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer for details or ProPureUSA.com. That's P R O P U R USA.com. 
Attention backpackers on a budget. Why spend $80 to $300 to pump clean survival water? Introducing the Viva Water Pump Kit from Viva Outdoor Products. Super easy to use and super lightweight at only 6.5 ounces, the Viva Water Pump Kit provides high flow rate at 1 ounce per stroke, can be one hand pumped, and is dependable and affordable at only $24.99. Filter not included. Get your Viva Water Pump Kit at viba-odp.com from Viva Outdoor Products. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call A Place for Mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. Dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications, such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries, from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Injuryhelpdesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. Is negative content or comments on the web affecting your personal or professional reputation? Unfavorable comments, embarrassing pictures, videos, legal documents, and negative articles can ruin your personal life, your career, or your business. It happens a lot, and it's just not fair. But what can you do? ReputationDefender.com can help protect your good name. Get a free consultation now. Call 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Call right now for a free expert reputation analysis. It's easy to squat the unfair attacks with our patented system and the analysis is absolutely free. Make the best things about you jump out in searches. Protect your personal and professional reputation, your business, and your income. Get your free reputation analysis from reputationdefender.com right now. Call 800-831-0771. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit reputationdefender.com today. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. Okay, so the ZDNet article seems to think that if Google makes 
Android totally proprietary, controls the licensing and everything in a way that the manufacturers would have to accept their updates, push their updates, or they would push the updates and the manufacturer would simply allow that mechanism. As happens now with an iPhone, of course, it is able to be updated by Apple. Allow Google, I guess, to update these phones. And if they've added features, they could submit those as apps, their own apps in addition to the operating system so they can get what they want in customizations, but Google has control over the updates. Is that what I'm reading in that article? Well, the article isn't very smart, I don't think. There's, there's a couple of things... Google could jump and emulate Apple. They could have a system that was very much like Apple in terms of how they sold. They could sell their own products. They could. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to sell Nexus products. They wanted to have their own operating system on it. They wanted to send out updates all the time and, and keep everyone on the latest update. Everybody wants to be Apple because look at Apple and how much money they're making. Obviously, Google wants to be Apple. Same thing with Microsoft. That's why they're making stores that look exactly like an Apple store. Everybody wants to be Apple. Samsung, everybody. So if you say, okay, yeah, let's just copy Apple and see if we can do it. Samsung can't. Microsoft can't. And Google cannot. Google has been trying for years to make devices that people would buy. And nobody's buying them. And the only success that they've had, and I use success with quotation marks around it, is having a lot of people use Android. And the way they got a lot of people to use Android... And the way they got a lot of people to use Android was to give it away and not restrict their platform and give up control. And if you give up control, you don't have control to, to do things the way you'd like to do them. And that's the problem that Google has right now. And there are some parallels with other operating systems. You know, if you look at Symbian, which was the Android before Android, Nokia was in the same position where that they had some control over Symbian and that was hurting their adoption from, from partners. And when they coined this idea to have open Symbian and it was like, you know, let's let's take on Android by being open and letting companies do more with it. Um, that was another effort that they tried to do that they couldn't really roll out because they were losing control to, they were losing interest from people that were saying, hey, we want to jump on Android because we can do anything with Android and no one's going to tell us what to do. And that also hurt Microsoft a lot because Microsoft was saying, here we have a platform that we want to run. And companies are saying, yeah, that looks like Windows. And we remember under Windows, you were exerting a lot of control and hardware companies couldn't really make any money. So a lot of people looked at Android and open source as being the solution. It was like, here we can, here we'll have a lot of latitude and flexibility to do whatever we want. I'm talking about licenses. And um, so Google leveraged that to get Android widely dispersed, but it's not a, a solid platform. Because developers have a hard time supporting all those different users on all those random hardware that people dump out. And on kind of a, a separate parallel problem, Apple has very consistently targeted a, a very high-end base of consumers. And Samsung tried to do that. They kind of reached the pinnacle of it with the Galaxy 3 copying the iPhone. But since then, they, they've progressively lost the ability to sell high-end Android phones that are on the same level as the iPhone. They still try to make some. And for a while, they were selling them for even more. Like the, the Note was $100 more than an iPhone, basically, started off. And now Apple has the, the 6 Plus, 6S Plus, that costs the same amount of money on the retail price. But Apple's selling more, quite a lot more of them than Samsung is. And no, none of these Chinese makers that are putting out huge amounts of low-end phones serving a, a very different demographic of users at an average price of you know less than $200 in a lot of cases, um, 
that's just, it's a completely different pool of people with different needs. And um, what we're really seeing is those people get those phones and they graduate to an iPhone in many cases. And that's creating growth for Apple. Well, you also see the situation here where with the Galaxy phones, Samsung is lucky to sell 10 million an entire month. All right. So if Apple can sell 50, 60, 70 million a quarter and Samsung could move 10 million in a month, it means the best they can do is 30 million. And usually that's the introductory months. So therefore, after that, they're selling less and they can't get beyond that. And that to them is good. Yeah, I mean, Samsung is, they do that with every product that they sell. I mean, they just sell a shotgun of products to see what people will buy. And there's not as much consideration to what people, you know, here's a product that we should develop so that people will buy it because it will be the best. It'll be great. And they're just kind of trying to offer everything to everyone. And, you know, the other thing that is happening with Samsung is they're working on this, their own Tizen operating system. And they've put it on watches so far that is not a really very big market for them, but they're starting to introduce some, some new phones. They've done it in the past and it was kind of, I think they were selling them in Russia or something, but it's basically like a, an Android knockoff. It's based on Linux, um, but it's not Google's Android anymore. So, you know, the fact that Google's biggest licensee is sort of, you know, experimenting with how they can get out of Android shows that, there's already problems with the amount of control that Google is exerting, even when it doesn't have enough control to get updates out there and to even get the newest version of Android on a significant part of the installed base. And when we talk about installed base and how Android, how Marshmallow is only on 10% of it, we're talking about Google Play, which is Western iPhones. It's like it's a much bigger problem in, in China, which is as big of a market. I mean, China and and the United States are similar size markets. China may be even pulling ahead in terms of units. But um, the penetration of Google's latest software is much slower in China. The last numbers I saw was, you know, it was like twice as bad. Well, the thing also in China is you have some companies who make forked versions of Android that right, that's have no too. connection at all with the Google Play Store or any of those other features. Yeah, Google has no. You go to, you go, you go to China, mainland China. You can't even reach Google servers unless you set up something and ju- jump through hoops to get on a VPN. So yeah, you you just cannot get on Google Play. But um, there's also the issue of of is Google putting out its software in a way in a way that at least developers can use its latest technologies, and that's not happening either. Well, that depends on having the latest OS, though. Right, that's what I'm saying. So recently, you know, especially for WWDC, there was a lot of talk about how Google was advancing the state of the art in terms of assistance and voice assistance and how they were so much far ahead of Apple. And you know, in some cases, the Apple's or Google's going to be ahead of Apple in, in, in some cases, but the, the software that they're relying on to roll those features out to you know, this supposed huge installed base of Android is just not happening. It's not material. It's not happening in China. It's, you know... It's not happening even in the United States, where 10% of the population, you know, is on on the latest version of the OS that supports these things that they've announced. So, when you when you really look at the state of how things actually are, 
it's very different than it's, than it's portrayed in the media where, you know, everyone waves flags for Android and says that everything is good and that there's not a malware problem. And <laughs> that's, they've been lying about everything for so many years that they don't even know that they're telling the, not telling the truth anymore. Well, we're still getting back to the same thing again. If you own an Android phone, you're never going to get more than likely an operating system update, or if you do, it'll be way, way behind the curve. If there's a security problem, you're not going to ever get that fixed. Now, here's an interesting point also. You'll notice when they had the problem with the terrorist iPhone, the 5C, where the FBI first had to go to, to Apple to try to demand that they produce a version of iOS with the backdoor because they couldn't do it. Eventually, they found somebody who could because it's inevitable that there's somebody out there who can handle this. But in the case of Android, you never hear of the FBI or any other government authority having a problem in unlocking those phones. It's a non-issue. Speaking of any issue, we've got a lot more to come with Daniel Aaron Dilger. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. My dad was 59 when he collapsed from a heart attack late last year. Just this past August was when we spread his ashes on the St. Croix River. I loved my dad, but boy was he stubborn. He hadn't been to the doctor in over 25 years. His excuse? He simply couldn't afford it. He wasn't a rich man by any means. At less than $107 per month, libertyoncall.org would have been the perfect alternative for my father. Don't wait. Go to libertyoncall.org right now for not just your sake, but for the sake of your loved ones. Again, that's libertyoncall.org. 
By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blocket Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. This is a healthcare alert from the Pain Relief Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one suffers from knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain and have Medicare as your primary insurance, we've got great news. You don't have to suffer any longer. You can immediately qualify for a pain relieving brace at little or no cost to you by calling our 24 7 pain relief hotline at 866 389 0620. Delivery is free and all paperwork is handled for you. If you are on Medicare and have knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain, don't wait. You can qualify to immediately receive a pain relieving brace at little or no cost by calling our 24 7 pain hotline now at 866-389-0620. Our representatives are standing by 24 7 to take your call and rush you your pain relieving brace at little or no cost to you. Shipping is free and all paperwork is handled for you. Just call 866-389-0620. That's 866-389-0620. Again, 866-389-0620. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. So in terms of security, with Apple, the authorities had to try to get Apple to help them with the back door or work with some kind of hacker to get the thing done. But with Android, you never hear a story about that. That seems to indicate that oh, it's with Android, there's no problem in breaking into those phones. Well, I mean, we know that already because there's all these law enforcement programs that advertise what they can, what they can do. And yeah, they can routinely exploit Android. But the other side of that too, is that Android doesn't turn on encryption. Even the high-end Android phones have ha- have shipped with encryption turned off. We've talked about that before because it has to do with Google does not have hardware encryption because they don't have an installed base of high-power chips that, to run encryption on, on the device securely. So they have to do it in software to, to get it to work across, you know, a number of devices anyway. And that's prevented Android phones from having real encryption. Because it's kind of like putting virus detection software on your PC. It's running in the background. What does it do? It slows everything down. And already, because of the inefficiencies of Android, you have to get really powerful processors, you know, with quad-core and eight-core and everything to approach the actual performance of iOS. Yeah, and there's there's a number of other levels of performance issues that Apple has always been 
um, noted as being like, a, you know, it's a smoother interface. And that has a lot to do with integration that Apple can do. You know, they build the low-level hardware. They develop their own silicon. They do write the software that drives that. They write the upper-level software framework so that everyone's... It's a very vertical stack of everything is designed to work together, and it works really well. And that the iPhone is not the only example of that in the world. There's a lot of companies that do very vertical integration, and they have everything works together, and it's really a, a great package. And this idea that computers should be sort of assembled together pieces from different companies that nobody supports any either stuff and everything is open so you can poke at it, that's not really a good model for delivering great products. It's fine if people want to do that, but it's like there's a lot of downside to that. And there was sort of a, an idea throughout the 90s that that was what made PCs great. And in some cases, it gave them advantages. But as devices get smaller and smaller, especially with smartphones and tablets, the idea of modular integration is less and less attractive because you have a lot more specific problems related to heat and how well you're using the amount the amount of processing power that you have available on a small device and also battery and things like that. So if you're if you're doing some things sort of a, a sloppy, unintegrated way, you don't have battery life, you don't have the kind of performance that gives you a smooth experience, those kind of things. So Apple's been really good at that and Android in particular has been really poor at de- delivering that. Because it's a much harder problem when you involve so many people and everyone is kind of working across purposes. What's the ultimate solution for Android then? Is there an ultimate solution or does it just continue year after year to go to the same situation it is now? Well, I mean, if you if you refer to Android as being sort of a religion that exists on its own and, you know, I don't know. If you talk about Android is in terms of people grabbing the technology and using it to do something specific, um, there's a lot of companies doing that. I mean, Google wants to take over more control. Companies like Amazon want to grab Android and use it in different ways. That's what a lot of companies in China are already doing. And even Microsoft is looked in, looking into um, buying some of these companies and basically delivering a Android product. But it's kind of late in the game to be solving Android. It's 2016 now. And all the claims that Android made and the, the things that it was supposed to have achieved are starting to slip pretty radically. And Apple has a really strong platform to be able to do really interesting things going forward. And it could be that in the future, instead of Android being stretched out to be the, you know, lone competitor to to iOS, we see other things emerge and it could be a forked version of Android. It could be like something completely different and it could be that, you know, something derails the smartphone and we go in a different direction. But right now Apple is really well positioned in terms of being able to sell high end devices to a huge audience and they're all the same and they all run the same software and that audience just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, looking at WWDC and the, the kind of developers that are coming and how far around the world they're coming from, we really get a sense of Apple has done a really good job of building a platform. And they keep getting smarter and smarter about that. And anything, any, you know, any kind of innovation that anyone else does, they can borrow from. They can, you know, say, hey, this is a good idea. Let's implement something along those lines, but let's do it correctly. And Apple's done that in a lot of different ways. So it, it's it's getting increasingly difficult for me to see how some third-party competitor, whether it's Android or whether it's you know some resurgence of Windows or Samsung's Tizen or whatever, how they're going to like suddenly become relevant because they haven't been relevant so far. 
And I think the fact that Android is open source and is sitting out there and sort of taking up this huge space, it prevents other competitors who would be more effective in competing against Apple from gaining any traction. Because we've seen that with other devices or other, other platforms that have tried to take some hold. And I think that's the case with Windows. And also, you know, um, BlackBerry's ability to buy up a operating system and come into the market. And before that, it was Palm and the WebOS. All these things had like a little bit of promise, but they were just sort of like blown out of the market by Android. So Android is like this big dummy in the room that keeps anything interesting from happening. And the only company that's really benefiting from that is Apple. Because as long as their competitors are all terrible and have all these problems, it just makes Apple look like the best thing in the world. And it'll be di- difficult for anyone to change that, I think, going forward. But it'll be interesting to see how things work out. Where do you think it's going to work out? Do you think there's a point where Google will either sell off the platform or give up on it? I think giving up would be you know, kind of crazy, obviously. Well, Google has been doing a couple things for the last two or three years in- involving Chrome OS. And you know, the guy that took over Google was running Chrome. And Chrome is really closer to what Google itself would do if it created something from scratch. It's a web-based operating system. It's basically a web browser with sort of integrated into the operating system enough to where everything is sort of a web app. But, you know, you can give it more power. And that's similar in some respects to WebOS. And, you know, Google didn't create something that no one had ever thought of before. And even some of Apple's platforms are have a similar sort of built from web standards and, you know, things like wallet passes and some of the content on Apple TV is based on web standards and it's something that people can adopt really quickly and everyone already knows JavaScript. And I think there's, it looked like there was going to be some potential for Google to do that. And I've written several years about, for several years, about how it looks like what Google wants to do is sort of de-emphasize Android and put its muscle behind Chrome OS. The problem is nobody wants to buy Chrome OS. The only client that they have at all is dumping really cheap Chrome OS netbooks on schools in the United States. That's where almost all of them are going. And that has, has a very limited value because what are you going to do? Put these kids in front of ads or sell them applications for a lot of money? I mean, there's just not really much potential for selling people things there. And I think Apple's going to make some headway back into education with iPads with this new uh, Swift Playgrounds app for, for iOS 10, which really shows kids how to um, become savvy with development ideas and works them right into, uh, teaches them the skills to build applications. So it's, it's, I think it's really smart that Apple is working to develop developers. Remember, that was the thing that Microsoft, the, the sweaty rant, the developers, developers, developers. He was right. I mean, you, if, you, if you have a third-party platform, if you have a platform and you want it to be viable, you have to have developers. And Apple has so far been attracting developers from everywhere else. And now they're cultivating developers among young people, giving people opportunity. And that, I think that's really powerful. And you know, people talk about, you know, you have people that say, oh, Apple should bring all their phones back here so that Americans could do, you know, assembly line jobs where they're putting together devices. That's not the kind of great jobs that Apple could deliver. What Apple can do is teach Americans and, you know, everybody else in the world 
how to build really innovative solutions and software. And then they've created a marketplace so you can sell your apps. It's not just like Android where you sort of build stuff and give it away and try to slap some ads on it to get some money from it. A very web-oriented sort of business model that Google has set up. Apple has set up a store where you can go and buy things for very little money, a dollar or two, and you can develop a, a, a great breakout app and make money on it. Now, we should point out, to be fair, there's one and a half million apps in the App Store, but only a handful are making really large amounts of money and making a big business out of it, right? We'll have Daniel's answer on the other side. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Paid non attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas, is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice, and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention, Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24 7. Call 800 261 That's 800 261 We use mobile devices right against our bodies every day. But growing scientific evidence has emerged showing serious health risks associated with exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The solution is Defender Shield, the most effective mobile radiation shielding ever developed. Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation from cell phones, tablets, and laptops and starts at just $64.99. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. For 10% off, use promo code GCN. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in mobile radiation shielding. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So on the Tech Night Owl Live, we have all those apps in the App Store. As I said, though, only a small number really become profitable, right? Well, I mean, it depends on what you what you're looking to do. If you're if you're talking about people who are becoming millionaires doing an app, yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the case with every small business. Anyone going into business, statistics show that you're not going to be fabulously wealthy unless things line up just really perfectly and you do everything just right. It's possible to go out and create an app that are that already exists and not see much interest because there's no real demand for it. 
so. I mean, a lot of it relates to your personal business strategy and your ability to do things and, you know, things like that. But we see a lot of cases where people who would otherwise just be working for a corporation, making whatever, go into business for themselves. And it's a very entrepreneurial thing where anybody can do this. Anybody can learn how to um, kind of take control of their own destiny. So it's like a skill that anybody can learn. And if you compare, if you compare coding with any other type of skill in terms of being able to start your own business, it's, I, I think the statistics would show it's pretty good. Of course, a lot of people who are developing apps are not running their own company and have their own one little app in the app store. They are developing skills that they can then go to a company. They can go to a game developer. They can go to you know, any number of companies or nonprofits or anything and build software and it's a valuable skill that they're paid for. So it's not just the profits from each individual app on the app store because a lot of them are failures, just the same way that a lot of retail stores are failures. A lot of restaurants are failures. A lot of all kinds of businesses are failures because, you know, sometimes people are better at a skill than they are at running a business. But the app store is much more successful than any other model for selling software that's existed before. The key being here is that at least you have a chance to get exposure in a place where there are people who will potentially be receptive to your product. What's the problem with the Google Play Store? It has more apps. Well, I mean, if you look at it, it's kind of a junk store. I mean, there's just searching through things. Apple allows a lot of junk on the App Store, if you look at it. I mean, you can you can see there's a lot of junk there. I think they should be more um, aggressive in terms of getting rid of stuff that's kind of obviously copied junk. Um, but Android is just overwhelmingly, like you can search for anything. You can search for iTunes and get like, a dozen different people's knockoff app that's calling itself iTunes. You know, same thing with licensed characters or anything. You know, you, you try to find any content on on Android's Google Play, and it's just there's just so much junk. And then even even software from reputable developers, their ports from iOS. There's a lot of problems with getting software to run on the huge variety of Android hardware that is missing the sensor. Or, you know, the sensor says it's there, but it doesn't, you know, they faked it because they we're trying to pull a fast one and the gyroscope doesn't really work kind of thing. And so it's, it's just a lot more difficult to try to build on top of the platform of Android because it's not a very good platform. So it comes back to the same thing again the prospects of making money on the Google platform are less because smaller numbers of people actually have the high-end smartphones that can handle the more sophisticated apps. What about the quality of the apps? We do see similar titles. Well, I mean, that depends. I mean, that's, that's a really broad question. Um, there are companies that pour apps in both directions, and it would be hard to say which one is better. And in some cases, they'd be identical. But I think in general, Apple has a much stronger platform in the sense that they're upgrading their users. And so you can use the latest software. You don't have to query to find out what kind of hardware is on the device because Apple has a a very limited number of different models and they extend support back very far to, I mean, even iOS 10 is going to support phones from 2012, iPhone 5, which there's not even Nexus phones that are supported more than two years ago. And that's four years ago. So, I mean, the extent to which Apple reaches back and supports older hardware with the latest version of the software and continues to support it and continues to uh, make available the latest frameworks for that whole user installed base. It's just a totally different platform for developing on. 
And then again, you know, the, the tools that you use to build software on, on iPhones is also translated to iPads and is also something you can translate to Apple Watch and Apple TV and things like that. So there's a number of advantages to, to developing on Apple's platform. And you see, you know, statistically, if you look at it, you see where people are making money and you see what people are being drawn to. It's, it's iOS. All right. Now, at the WWDC, we have the standard complaint about this Apple event, which is, where's the hardware? They seem to forget what's a developer's conference for. Yeah, that's, that's dumb. I don't know why people are saying that. I mean, it's always been, you know, occasionally they would release stuff during the event just because they're showing something off. But um, yeah, it's completely unnecessary. Why would Apple bring 5,000 developers and have them sit there where they show, oh, here's a new MacBook. And it's like, well, good. But what we really wanted to do, the reason why we came here and we spent hundreds of dollars a night to stay in San Francisco was to get information about what's new in the platform and how they can use it and solving problems and talking to engineers. And that's what WWDC is all about. It's not a, a place to show off new stuff. So people who are disappointed are just the, the kind of people who don't really pay attention to what's going on in the world in, in terms of technology and just have a lot of opinions that are not grounded in any sort of reality. I know that a fairly prominent writer mentioned the same thing the other day. Now, the other criticism voiced against Apple was that they weren't doing anything with regard to artificial intelligence. Look at Microsoft. Look at Google. Apple's behind the curve. But we're seeing here with the new version of Siri, that was never true. Yeah, I mean, we see. We've known Apple's been buying some of these companies, too. Um, it's kind of just difficult to read some of the stuff that people write because they just constantly talk about how Apple is on the verge of, of tremendous doom and failure. And it's just not, not at all true. And if they weren't saying that, it, you know, the, what they would be saying wouldn't be very clickbaity and interesting because it becomes boring to constantly say Apple's doing everything right and they're making all the money. Because you can't say that about Microsoft. You can't say about Google in terms of mobile devices. And so what do you say? You just have this constant narrative where, you know, here, here's companies that are talking about stuff that they have in the pipeline. It's like, well, when has that ever been a good idea to talk about stuff you have in the pipeline? Did it work well for any of the companies that did that in the past that bragged up all the stuff that they're working on? Why don't you wait until you can sell it and then be like, here's a new thing we're doing and boom, it's on sale and you can buy it because that's what Apple does every year. They don't sit and talk about we're working on this, we're working on that. There was a time when Apple did talk about things. It was the early 90s when Apple was actually on the verge of doom. And they talked about all this advanced research they were doing and all the labs. And they didn't actually turn it into products in a lot of cases. And it you know, didn't work out real well. And that's exactly what Samsung and Microsoft and Google are doing today in terms of constantly breaking about far off ideas that they don't have ready to sell yet. And how amazing it is that you know Google's working on robots and Microsoft's working on a this Holocene hel helmet. Um, yeah, show up when you have a product ready to sell instead of showing us some vaporware and spending two years working on it in public where everyone else can copy what you're doing and probably outpace you. That's a major reason why Apple doesn't say, hey, we're going to put a fingerprint sensor on our phone and we're going to do that so we can en Apple enable Apple Pay and two years after that would kind of tip off all the competitors that they have that that's what they should be working on. So there's a lot of people that are disappointed that Apple doesn't have a stronger roadmap, but um, that's why they do. 
Although at the same time, Apple is also opening up a lot more of um, what has it been like the last two or three years that they've opened up all their sessions. You can you can watch the WWDC sessions. They used to be completely secret and no one had access to them unless you were a developer. Now anybody can watch those online just a day or so after the event. And they're publishing a lot more information about how their technology works and how it can be used. Because I, I think Apple has a lot less need to be as secretive as they were in the Steve Jobs era, where it was they had a lot more intense competition that was copying their every move and you know somewhat successfully copying it. In terms of, for example, Samsung. I mean, Samsung was just ripping off Apple just heinously. And at this point, they're not as much, and they're not able to copy as much, and they, they don't have the credibility when they copy it. And it's like, oh yeah, Samsung is copying all of Apple's commercials again. You know, who cares? Because Samsung is just a kind of big, dumb company that copies stuff, and they don't have good ideas on their own. we got more to come with Daniel Aaron Dilger. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Think about this. Your community's aging water infrastructure systems are very likely to be contaminated with heavy metals like lead, disinfection chemicals like ammonia, chlorine, and chloramines, and pharmaceuticals like statins, pain meds, and antidepressants. And no, water treatment plants are not equipped to filter these pharmaceutical toxins out. Protect your family's water supply with the trusted Big Berkey water filter. New NSF EPA certified lab tests show Big Berkey water filters remove chloramines, pharmaceuticals, BPA, pesticides, bacteria, and viruses, all forms of fluoride, and much more. Big Berkey water filters are the original and most trusted on the market, the gold standard in water purification. And our filters last for years at less than two cents per gallon. Big Berkey, the one powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get your Big Berkey today. Call 1-877-99-BERKEY or click BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey water filters for the love of clean water. So you've got to take a state construction license exam or certification. Can't decide on what books or what chapters to study? Discover right now how you can eliminate unnecessary books and wasted study time. At ContractorExam.com, our study materials zero in on state-required test topics in an effective, multiple-choice format. So whether you're a plumber, electrician, general contractor, or other construction-related trade, ContractorExam.com will help get you prepared. Visit us at www.ContractorExam.com today. Here's Dr. Paul Meyer, Christian psychiatrist, 
author of 85 books and founder of the national chain Meyer Clinics, to tell you about two your health liquid vitamins. I've been taking these every day for over a decade now, and I try to encourage every one of my clients to take them every day. And there's a number of reasons. First of all, it's the, it's the best vitamins you can get. It's got dozens of vitamins, antioxidants, and nutrients in it. And then the most important reason why I do it as a psychiatrist and, and recommend it to my patients is because it's got brain food in it. It's got the essential amino acids. It's got tryptophan, phenylalanine, tyrosine, choline, vitamin B6. And these chemicals that are all natural from food turn into the brain chemicals that make you happy. To Your Health is delicious. Find out more today. Call us 800-801-3459 or visit online at mytoyourhealth.com. Use the coupon code RADIO15 for a 15% discount on your order. That's mytoyourhealth.com. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blockit Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Putting it together. Apple, Samsung, Google, etc. Final thing here is it's tragic in a way how you see Microsoft jettison its mobile service. So it hires all these people by virtue of acquiring the handset division of Nokia, and now it's busy firing all these people. Yeah, that was a poorly managed situation. But, I mean, if Microsoft had not bought Nokia, it's not clear that those people would still have their jobs at Nokia because Nokia itself wasn't making all the right decisions. But, I mean, you could... But certainly, yeah, Microsoft didn't jump in and fix everything. So, to me, I mean, it's a a reminder of this idea people think, oh, if, if, you know, if companies are skilled, they can just buy another huge company, merge them together, and now they have this and that. And it's like, there are so many examples of, of that not working. There's, I can't think of any really good examples of that working really well. Let's give it a blatant example because she tried to run for president based on her record. When she was the CEO of HP, Carly Fiorina engineered the acquisition of Compaq. I guess to give HP more of a low-end line. And that thing was a total disaster. And HP has probably never recovered from that disaster. But she, of course, wiped it away completely. They fired her. And she had this great golden parachute, so she ended up with lots and lots of money. They fired her. And yet she's running around saying how successful she was, still, even after failing as a presidential candidate. Yeah, and even more recent examples of Google did the same thing with hardware companies. Like they were just going to walk into hardware and take it over. And they did that with Motorola and they doing it with Nest. And they just threw money at them, threw money at Nest. Just, Here's a blank check. Just get, you know, 
build some products that are great. That's very Microsoft type strategy where you come in, you make huge acquisitions, you just throw tons of money at it. And then after it fails, you write off a huge amount of money. And that's been happening over and over and over again. And it's like, if you really watch the tech industry, you realize that that's not the greatest thing. And Apple has not been making huge acquisitions of big companies that exist on their own. The biggest company they've acquired recently was Beats, and that's buying basically a, an application and a complementary business selling audio products. Um, and people kind of hooted about that like it was a big problem. And Apple's worked it out pretty well. And most of the companies that Apple has acquired have been smaller companies. It's like a team of people that are working on some interesting technology that Apple can use. Um, so it's a very different strategy in terms of acquiring talent. I think you know there's a possibility that Apple could buy bigger companies going into the future. But when people talk about mergers, you got to remember that there's a lot of work that goes into a merger. Like once you acquire another company, you spend a lot of time doing work to kind of stitch them together. If you look into Motorola, when Google bought them, there was this idea that all the things that Motorola had, Google could just like turn into magic. They were going to take their set-top box and turn it into this whole new thing for Google TV, and it was going to make it you know, a whole new company of is going to get Google into television. They ended up just selling it off for scrap. And Google TV never went anywhere on its own. And Android TV after that never went anywhere on its own. So there was never any putting together of what you're good at and what I'm good at and putting it together because it didn't work out at all. And even with hardware, they, they were making this comment that they had this whole, you know, year and a half of products that they have in the pipeline. And Google was like, yeah, well, this is garbage. We've got to get rid of all this and start over from scratch and build the what we want you to build. And it turned out that Google didn't know what they're to build. They were telling Motorola what to do and, you know, not giving them enough support to do it didn't work out. And then they did the opposite with Next where they gave them way too, or Nest, they gave them way too much money and they didn't accomplish anything. Just to be brief about this, because we have to end this soon, with Nest, Tony Fidel, who was the founder of Nest, He's gone. Now, supposedly that might have been partly due to his controversial leadership style. What do you think? Oh, yeah. It sounded like there's a lot of people that came out of that. And of course, anytime you know, something happens, there's always disgruntled employees that tear apart who's ever in charge. We've heard a lot of things about that from Apple. You know, People complained about Steve Jobs after they left the company. But it is interesting to see how incredibly competent Apple is as a company over the last several years. It wasn't just like, boom, we hit one out of the park. It's like everything they do is magic in terms of being able to make money and turn things around. And, and you know, the highest profile problems that they've had was the, you know, the plant in Arizona where they were trying to make crystals. They didn't even make a big deal about it. It was, it was kind of like the secret thing that sort of failed because the company didn't deliver. And they turned it around and turned it into something else that you know, a data center but in terms of like huge failures, there's not a lot of huge failures associated with Apple. There's some partnerships that the other partners fallen down with, like with Ping when they were trying to partner with Facebook and Facebook kind of pulled out and, you know, Ping was kind of left hanging. Most of the things that Apple's worked on have either worked out well or have been something that Apple's like, okay, this isn't going to work. We're going to pull out and go somewhere else. Where a lot of Apple's competitors, they have two or three products that are competing with each other. Like, how many messaging products does Google have now? And they just introduced two more. Speaking of messaging platforms, I have enough problem with Facebook and Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp. Not that I have a problem with WhatsApp. I did a voice chat with my son Grayson the other day, and the audio quality was really good. But it's confusing because suddenly you've got to have two different apps. 
They don't talk to one another. And where I downloaded for the Mac a Facebook Messenger app and a WhatsApp app as a single package, a single product, they still had two separate windows with two separate configurations. Hmm. Just confusing. Facebook paid a lot of money for, for WhatsApp, too. I think something like $50 a user. And then Microsoft paid something like $200 a user for LinkedIn. That's a lot of money. Like, how are you going to get that much money out of those people? <laughs> but I, I, I can't imagine what Microsoft's going to do with LinkedIn. But, you know, I, I think there's a lot of desperation in the industry and people are trying to do something. Oh, so confusing. Yes, indeed. So, so terribly confusing. How will that be resolved? In any case here, the thing that bothers me, we only have about 45 seconds left. Microsoft is supposedly going to end the free upgrades to Windows 10 in July. And to get people to update, they've been downloading it in the background without your permission, changing dialogues where if you click to dismiss something, you're saying, yes, I want to download. Yeah. 30 <laughs> second kind of response. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's another example of desperation. They're just trying to get it out there because, you know, that's the last thing Microsoft has left in terms of control is just the power they have over the desktop PC. So they're desperately trying to get their new software out there and they're showing you how difficult it is. And, you know, you compare that to Apple and Apple, all they have to do is make the next iOS available and everyone rushes to get it. So it's kind of a different ballgame. There you go. Daniel Aaron Dilger, please tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. I write for Apple Insider, and I'm on Twitter at Daniel Aaron, E-R-A-N. See my stuff. And by the way, maybe he'll bring back Roughly Drafted Magazine. We're still pushing for it. Daniel Aaron Dilger, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. All right. Thanks for having me, Gene. for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attention backpackers on a budget. Why spend $80 to $300 to pump clean survival water? Introducing the Viva Water Pump Kit from Viva Outdoor Products. Super easy to use and super lightweight at only 6.5 ounces, the Viva Water Pump Kit provides high flow rate at one ounce per stroke, can be one hand pumped, and is dependable and affordable at only $24.99. Filter not included. Get your Viva Water Pump Kit at viba-odp.com from Viva Outdoor Products. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications, such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved 
loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-478-1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. InjuryHelpDesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call A Place for Mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. If you have sleep apnea and you're tired of dragging around your big, bulky home CPAP device wherever you travel, what I'm about to tell you may sound too good to be true. ManyCPAP.com now offers a portable device that's as small as a soda can and weighs less than a pound. Even better, you can try Transcend absolutely risk-free for a full 10 days. Call us now, 1-800-940-5473. Transcend is the world's first portable mini CPAP device. It gives you the freedom to sleep in total comfort anywhere you are. For even more freedom, you can add a battery that's as tiny as a deck of cards. Transcend is so small and so light, you can fit it in your briefcase or purse to use anywhere you go. It's FAA compliant too, so you can even sleep comfortably while flying. It's true. You can enjoy the freedom to sleep comfortably anywhere, anytime you want. Call minicpap.com now for your 10-day in-home trial. 1-800-940-5473. That's 1-800-940-5473. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. With Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer, we're going to look into some controversial stuff this week. So, ever since the first rumors came out about what would be contained in the next iPhone, presumably going to be an iPhone 7, one of the key pieces of speculation had it that Apple would ditch the headphone jack. Of course, Apple is very good about ditching ports. I mean, do you remember SCSI? (laughs) Do you remember local talk? ADB. Right, exactly. I remember when the first iMac came out with USB, USB 1, and an Ethernet port. And that was about the size of it. And people freaked. And we got adapters so we could use external floppy drives and so forth and so on, and adapters for the keyboards and mice because we wouldn't necessarily like the hockey puck mouse that Apple was providing. I mean, you can't imagine what kind of 
controversy that led to? What about your external hard drives? So is Apple, do you think, Brian, poised to say the aging headphone jack, which goes back, what, to the 1950s? And its present form has got to go. I think that Apple has probably learned its lessons because ditching all these legacy technologies has clearly had a deleterious effect on the company. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> the profit margins have gone, wait a minute, they've gone up. Yeah, yeah, Apple, but yeah. So I actually have a pair of headphones here. I've got a pair of headphones from Audis called the, uh, the AA8s. They're uh, these planar speakers. It's expensive. I think they're like seven hundred ninety-nine bucks uh, at the at the retail level. Really, really high-end headphones, and they came with a lightning cord and a standard headphone cord. The lightning cord actually had some processing built into the cord itself, and it sounds amazing. The, You're saying that it sounds better than the traditional headphone port. Yes, but I I, I don't know yet. If that's because of, of the signal processing that's being done in the cord, or if that's actually just a product of the lightning port itself. I don't know one way or the other, but I do know that it sounds better. And if you eliminate the headphone jack, you eliminate the biggest point of egress for water. Also, it's a point of failure even without the water. That's true. It is It is a point of failure. That's right. It is a point of failure. It absolutely is because uh, pieces inside the headphone jack can sometimes break off. And when that happens, that can be a huge problem or sometimes the headphone, you know, the, 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 either just the headphone port itself won't work or maybe, you know, you might actually get something lodged in there and you can't plug in uh, your headphones anymore. But I, I think that the biggest reason why Apple want, would want to ditch the headphone jack is for water damage. You know, it's it'll be fine. The the one issue I have with the lightning cable on these headphones is the cord is pretty thick, but I don't know if that's only because that's the way Audis did it or if that's a necessity for lightning headphone jacks. Um, and the fact that if I've got the headphones plugged in, I can't charge my iPhone. I was going to ask a question here, and I don't know the answer. Is it possible to have a charging pass-through that also allows you to use the headphone jack? Or, it, or is the fact that it's a single function, once it charges, it can't do anything else? I would be shocked and flabbergasted if Apple was going to send our charging needs, our, excuse me, our listening needs through the lightning port if, you, if there was not a way to also charge simultaneously. I would be shocked if that were the case. I don't have the answer, but I would be shocked if that were the case. I'm thinking in terms of USB-C, where you can have a little dongle on it and have one for a USB peripheral and the other to charge the thing. Yeah. I... I, I, I Again, if we see a lightning-only iPhone, I suspect that it will come with a way to do a pass-through charge. And it will be standard. It will be included with it so you're not left in a situation where all your listening things are useless. Of course, I guess, well, Apple, there's going to be a new Bluetooth version coming soon, too, Bluetooth 5. And there have been some questions over the years about the quality of Bluetooth audio. So maybe that would be a good way to encourage people to go wireless. 
Yeah, uh, I suppose that's true. I'm personally not sold on wireless headphones. I mean, there there are, there are all kinds of applications where you want wireless headphones for sure, but I'm not sold. That's the only way I want to listen to my headphones. But you know, with with a lightning option and a Bluetooth option. Um, you know, you'd still be able to listen to your devices and, you know, it's just a way of moving on. But that said, I don't know that Apple would include a pass-through dongle out of the box. Apple did not include a 30-pin to lightning adapter, for instance, when it dropped uh, the 30-pin dock. Okay, here's the big question, though. Is this going to happen? Is this true? Is this a possibility? Or are the rumors just rumors? Well, any... Apple, I think we've talked about this before, um, any Apple rumor cycle has a sort of lifespan. You know, there's the early rumors, um, and a lot of early rumors uh, turn out not to be true because they're they're based on, um, like, people are reaching conclusions um, on something that maybe Apple is just testing or, you know, playing around with. And thinking that that's absolutely going to be what Apple ships, and 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 that is often not the case. But the later you get towards the release point for a new iPhone in particular, the more solid those rumors get until they eventually sort of get what I consider a critical mass. I think we're probably at that critical mass point for this particular rumor. So yes, I I think that it's that it's going to happen. So those who say, oh, my God, this is horrible, this is a catastrophe, what do you tell them? Deal with it. Get used to it. This is what Apple's always done. It's just change. Um, someone will probably make an adapter, like a lightning, um, a lightning adapter that has a, a headphone jack in, in it. Um, you know, you're you still don't think be- Apple will provide one? I'd be flabbergasted if Apple provided that. I, I do think Apple would would provide the the charging pass through. I, I do think that that would come in the box, but I don't think that Apple is going to uh, provide an adapter for legacy headphone jacks. That, that's just not Apple's way. So it's going to be one of those 1995 editions that you get when you buy your new iPhone. Yeah, or you know, maybe maybe ten bucks, maybe even five. I don't know. It's not going to be a lot of money. Well, I'm looking at Apple's traditional way of handling adapters. They very rarely have anything less than nineteen or twenty dollars or so. Oh, oh, yeah. If if Apple does it, it would probably be twenty bucks. But uh, the reality is that Apple may even leave this up to the um, to the to the marketplace. That usually takes a while. Okay, so you think it's a no brainer, and people should just get used to it. Well, I, I think that, that <laughs> yes, I do. But more importantly, I think that you can wail, wail and gnash your teeth all you want. And it's not going to change anything. I mean, I, I, I am sure that when they demonstrate this, they're going to give you a very good use case for this and explain why it's done and the advantages. And if it means that your iPhone becomes waterproof, if it means more reliability and you still have only a minor inconvenience being that you need an adapter plug, well, that should be a good sales pitch. Yeah, it should be a fairly easy case to make. Um, But, you know, again, Apple has done this for decades. Apple ditches ports. Apple ditches, uh, you know, they ditched hard drives. They ditched uh, 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 optical drives. They ditched DVD. They ditched CDs, for goodness sake, that were, were, uh, you know, the Rip Mix Burn campaign was 
was a, a huge part of Apple's resurgence. And, and I have to tell you, as we speak, I do have the Apple external USB super drive that one of my clients bought me because I gave her some advice on how to fix up her Mac. We've got oh, nice. more to come with Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com are you one of the 70% of Americans that want to own your own business, afraid to leave the security of your current job to pursue your dreams? I'm Pharmacist Keith. Dr. Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, and myself want to show you a low-cost way to create your own business, working around your current job schedule, creating an extra income for you and your family by joining his crusade, spreading his message of better health. To learn more, visit radio.recordedvideo.com, radio.recordedvideo.com. That's radio.recordedvideo.com. This is Holly Thomas, Group Vice President of Cause Marketing for Macy's. Our company is working together with the March of Dimes through March for Babies to raise money and awareness about the serious problem of premature birth in the U.S. That's why Macy's is committed to raising funds through our employees, customers, family, and friends to improve the health of moms and babies everywhere. Won't you please join us in March for Babies? Start a team today at marchforbabies.org. Are your Google search results killing you? Unflattering content in blogs, news articles, online reviews, social media, or other sources can jeopardize your reputation, your business, and your livelihood. Let Reputation.com help. Our patented technology will make the truth about you more visible while pushing down unwanted negative content. Improve your Google search results. Call Reputation.com at 1-800-831-0771 for a free consultation. That's 800-831-0771. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shopped the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-403-4885. That's 1-800-403-4885. 1-800-403-4885. Or go to SelectQuote.com. We shop. 
you save. Get full details in the example policy at slowquote.com slash commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors not available in all states. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. So what Brian tells us in the first part of our interview with him is it looks like the loss of the headphone jack is a lock for the next iPhone. But for various reasons, he explained, don't worry about it. Don't freak out. Don't say that Apple is ignoring its users because there's always method in their madness. I mean, do you really need a floppy drive? Yeah, exactly. You can freak out if you want. It's not going to help. You can be annoyed if you. I remember some uh, some friends of mine were just like incredibly angry that Apple ditched the thirty pin dot because they had thirty pin physical docks. So the Apple ditched the thirty pin port. I'm sorry for for um uh, for Lightning because they had speakers that were thirty pin compatible. And listen, Lightning is way better than thirty pin. It's way better. It's it's just a much better. Port. I mean, the, starting with the fact that you can plug it in either way. I mean, the, 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 it's so much smaller. It has less of a footprint inside the device. There are so many reasons why Lightning is vastly superior to the to the thirty pin dock. I'm glad Apple got rid of it. I know that some people will end up having legacy TV headphones that, that that maybe don't work. This is the price of progress. You know, people clinging to legacy technologies long past their useful lifespan is, you know, uh, like an albatross that's been around our neck since the Industrial Revolution began. Speaking of which, and this relates to an article you haven't read yet that's going to be in Friday's edition of TechNightOwl.com, and that is the future of the Mac. And this was an interview I heard from Steve Jobs when he was working at Next before the company was acquired by Apple in late 1996. And he said something which I'll summarize because I don't have the exact quote in front of me about Apple pushing the heck out of the Mac until it's time for the next great thing. I think he said he would milk it for all it's worth. Okay, that's fair enough. And Apple continues to do that, even though there are other products that replace functions of the Mac to some degree, such as the iPhone, the iPad, but the Mac still is performing its duties as the SUV or truck. So the question here is, at what point in time is the Mac going to outlive its usefulness? I mean, we're in the so-called post-PC era, but a lot of people still need the PC concept. And the Mac of today, fundamentally, is very much the same as the 1984 Mac and the overall concept. 
Yeah, it's it's a you know it's a great question, and it's definitely a fun philosophical exercise. I don't think we're in the post PC era. I think that's balderdash. I think that we're in, and and here, here's what I hate. I came up with this phrase, and then I don't know nine months later, Microsoft started using it, and um, I think it was even Steve Ballmer that started using it. But they called it the PC Plus era, and I agree with that. I don't think we're post PC because there's too many things that you still need a, a desktop or even a portable computer to do. And doing things like writing is still a lot more comfortable on a full size keyboard than it is you know, on a touchscreen, especially for if you're writing long form stuff. I think there's a lot of things that computers are much more suited to doing than our iPhones or our iPads. This is why I think the convertible PC concept is so flawed. Because if you have to sit there and work on a keyboard and then put your fingers up to the screen and touch something, I think that's just very awkward. It's not comfortable. And as much as Microsoft wants to push it, as much as PC makers want to push that concept, I think it's doomed to be a second-rate solution. Yeah, I would agree with that, though. I would note that Apple has taken us closer to that with the um, iPad Pro parentheses 12.9-inch close parentheses uh, device with the, with the smart keyboard. I agree. I just think the keyboard is lousy. But that's me. I think they need to mimic the feel of a real computer keyboard much better. And the way they've got it now in a case with fabric keys and all that, I just don't like it. But is there a point here where we look at the Mac and we say, how quaint, like Scotty in the movie Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, 1986, and he goes into this plant to build transparent aluminum, okay, to house these humpback whales. And he has to design something to prove to this guy that he should give him this particular item. So he goes into the office and he sees this Mac, 1986, the Mac, the keyboard, the mouse. And Scotty picks up the mouse and says, computer. And then he's shown the keyboard and he says, how quaint. Which is kind of funny in that in the original Star Trek TV show, uh, they pressed buttons on, on, you know, on, on a, on a console, but whatever it was, it was a funny moment. Yeah. There comes a point where we don't need what we think of as a desktop computer or even a mobile computer. There, there comes that point. But I think we don't reach that point until we have some extraordinary paradigm shifts, like, for instance, uh, retina projected screens or holographic displays or um, voice interaction that is in that works entirely. Does that? I, I'm, I'm, Voice interaction that works as well as a Star Trek computer. Yeah, or or better. And not only that, we need a generation of people who were raised that way. I, listen, I've, I, I'm a writer. I write in my day job. I write about Apple and technology. And uh, at, at night, I am a novelist. And I am not going to dictate a book. I don't work that way. 
I work with my fingers. I think I'm watching a screen and I type with my fingers. That's how I write. I don't know that that's ever going to change for me. And I think also the editing process is where it's key. I can see just using dictation, using an advanced version of Siri for small messages and things. But as soon as you have to edit something, everything else in terms of being voice-driven, and sometimes it's needed for accessibility reasons, but everything about being voice-driven becomes extremely awkward. We'd have to learn whole new skills. Not that we can't, but we have to. But the other argument I have here about it is, right now we're reaching areas where the traditional PC can't get much better. I'm thinking of the fact that we're hitting the wall with Moore's Law, that the number of transistors doubles every two years or something. We're kind of at the point where that can't happen much anymore. So you're not going to be able to make the computer much faster. And even now, the annual upgrades for new Macs or PCs, it's hardly noticeable in most respects, unless suddenly the hard drive speed is twice as much or something. Otherwise, it's not that noticeable. So what does Apple or any other PC maker do to introduce the next PC? What do they add? What do they change? With Apple, maybe a PC, maybe a fingerprint sensor, maybe OLED screens or something, wider viewing angle, better colors, better visibility and sunlight if you want to take your computer to the beach. You get my point? Well, yeah, I do. More processing power to enable more features, more software features. Right, but the point is we're not going to be able to speed up the processor that no, much. But you can add more processors. We can add more processors and make it more efficient with multi-cores. Instead of having one four-core processor, we have 10 because they're that yeah, small. And, you know, better tie-ins to, to cloud services. And we're, you know, we're, it won't be that long where we look back at what we think of as the cloud today and, and go, ha, 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 how quaint. That That's not going to take very long. And so, I mean, you know, the I think the biggest changes that we're going to that we're going to see in computers in the near future are probably going to be more on the software side and less on the hardware side that we've seen um, uh, that we've seen in the past. Until again, we get to where we get these you know, these major disruptive things like uh, a holographic display or just uh, projected displays or retina uh, projected like you know a display that's actually projected onto your eyes. From the inside, you know things. Things like that are going to be very disruptive, but we're not really that close to any of those things. So we have a retinal implant, and you have a regular keyboard, a portable keyboard. That's the entire computer, and then you turn on the retina display, and your eyes see either in the corner of the eye or just looking ahead with everything else around it. A simulation of a traditional computer display. Computer, Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio. DreamHost.com radio. There's nothing more enticing and intoxicating than the finest meat cooking on an open flame. Freeze-dried meat from NewHarvest.com is U.S. grown, 100% all-natural with no extra fillers. Just grass-fed beef and free-range chicken guaranteed to stay fresh and delicious. Add New Harvest freeze-dried meats to your current food storage. You'll buy direct from the factory, not a third party, ensuring the best price and the highest quality. See all our products at NewHarvestFoods.com. That's NUHarvestFoods.com. Worried about lead, fluoride, and other contaminants in your drinking water? Get a ProPure with the Pro1G 2.0 cleanable reusable filter and remove up to 200 contaminants. Drink water the way nature meant it to be. Clean, crisp, and refreshing. See the complete line of ProPure products, including the new ProMax shower filter. There's a ProPure for you. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer for details or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So we're talking about the Mac or the personal computer of the future. Where does it go? Does Apple hit the wall in development? What can the next Mac contain? And when do PC makers, including Apple, run out of fancy ideas to get you to buy a new one every year or two? Well, we're seeing Macs have always had this very long lifespan uh, because Apple made them so well. You know, uh, I sold my eight-year-old, is that right? Eight years old, 2008, 2007 year old uh, Mac Pro. I sold it for 579 bucks. Uh, right before Christmas, like six months ago, that's more than the average selling price of a brand new PC. So uh, you know, Apple's always had this long lifespan, but we're even seeing PCs with longer and longer lifespans as people are less obsessed about getting the latest greatest because the device they actually have will will um, be functional and usable for a longer period of time. We're already getting away from from those fastest replacement cycles that we've known in the past, and and I think that that trend will probably accelerate but uh, I, I i gene i kind of want to get back to a point we were on during the uh, uh the last segment and the real end of the desktop pc is not going to come until we've had you know at least a generation of young people growing up with whatever the thing is that'll replace it 
And that'll be the pivot point at which the PC is is considered quaint and gone, is when the young people who grew up with, with whatever replaces it have become so, you know, are, are so comfortable with using that replacement that that's how they think, that's how they create, that's how they do, that's how they're productive. And once that happens, then we'll start seeing the PC go away. And we don't know what that is yet. No, we don't. I don't know. The retinal implant sounds like fun. That, that sounds like a lot of fun. So does a holographic display. So does, so, you know, in my, in, uh, I don't want to be too self-promoted here, but in my science fiction world, most of what my main character does with the computer is done through voice interaction. But then there are times when he needs to uh, like scrub through a surveillance video, for instance, and he has uh, his, uh, his factotum, his virtual assistant, project a an interface uh, on a surface for him that he can then interact with in order to scrub through the video because you you know th- there is still something to be said for that that physical interaction of like using your finger for instance to turn a knob today to scrub backwards and forwards through a video i mean that that's actually it's a very useful way of of doing things and i don't think that that usefulness is going to go away just because we don't actually need the physical buttons anymore you know futurists tend to uh, overestimate the far future and underestimate the near future. And I imagine that even a hundred years from now, we're still, a lot of things would be recognizable to us today. If we could like, you know, be transported a hundred years forward. Yeah. But if you took an iPhone and went to 1947, Roswell, New Mexico, I guess you kind of sort of get a sense of what it might be capable of doing. But reverse engineering would probably be impossible. And we're talking there about, what, 69 years? Yeah, well, the but isn't the, uh, the paranormal conspiracy uh, that uh, it was in that the, the, the microprocessor itself was, or the transistor itself was uh, reverse engineered from uh, captured alien technology? Yes, Dr. Oakham did it. Yeah, yeah, nonsense. Have you read, by the way, the have you read the book uh, "The Innovators" by Walter Isaacson? No, I haven't. He it uh, it's a fantastic book. It's the guy that did the um, biography of Steve Jobs. Uh, his next book was called "The Innovators," and it's where he looked. I know at, who he is. I just haven't read his book. Yeah, fair enough. I figured thought maybe your listeners might want to know who he is. By the uh, way, Dr. Oaken is the mad scientist character played by Brent Spiner in Independence Day, and he does the role again in Independence Day Resurgence. Even though, theoretically, he died in the first film, it turns out, no, he was in a 20-year coma. Excellent. Anyway, in The Innovators, uh, Walter Isaacson actually steps through the creation process for the transistor, and... and, uh, it's a lot more plausible than it was reverse engineered from alien technology because, you know, think aliens are going to actually get here through transistors, but whatever, that's kind of a rabbit hole for another time. Maybe. Well, there's another crazy theory too, that the Roswell ship crashed because our radar brought it down, which is just as nuts. But a lot of people, by the way, let me just say this very briefly. A lot of people coming on my paranormal show, the Paracast are now suggesting that Roswell was, as the Air Force has said, a mogul balloon, a test balloon, or 
a test aircraft, a top-secret test aircraft, some technology we recovered from the Nazis. Okay? Sure. It be. wasn't a spaceship. It doesn't mean that these people don't believe there's a UFO mystery. Even Hillary Clinton's going to look into it, whether you accept that or not. And John Podesta, her campaign manager, believes that there's a possibility that UFOs are real and is interested very seriously in the subject. But Roswell is losing its luster. Let's go back to wherever we were. <laughs> where, now, where the other thing, that? of course, is would Apple want to integrate its product line in another way and have Macs on ARM processors? I see lots of reasons why you don't. But performance is not among them. I think they could certainly have comparable performance. What's the question? What do you think, Max on ARM? Oh, Max on uh, ARM processors. Um, I think he got lost in the sci-fi. I did, actually. I totally did. Uh, I I, I think that that Apple moving to an ARM processor-based Macintosh is is a possibility. Apple, uh, the ARM, the ARM world has advanced that technology considerably, and Apple in particular has advanced what ARM processors can do considerably. I think it's possible, but you know the reality is that one of the things that you want, what we think of as a desktop computer today, or again a mobile computer, a laptop. One of the things we want that for is its, you know, storage and its processing power and its graphics processing power. And I, I don't know if ARM is ever going to really be able to close the gap with Intel. And if it does so, it would probably have to have to do so through, you know, massively parallel uh, applications. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, it's it's possible, but it's not it's not the sort of thing that that I think is is assured because Intel processors, the x eighty six architecture, is still by far the most powerful architecture out there. I think even if there was parity, there'd be a problem. Number one is an emulator, so you could run Intel code, and the other is the fact that you lose the ability to run boot camp at full performance, Windows virtual machines giving you, what, 75 80% of the performance of a boot camp or a full Windows PC. And these are very important selling points for the Mac, that you could run Windows apps with pretty good performance. Very good selling points, and I think they helped improve Mac sales when Apple went to Intel. So I think unless Apple can address that, and I suppose it's possible with ARM, they won't do it. And it's a matter of how much development dollars do you want to put in to a platform where you're selling 5 million copies a quarter compared to an iPhone that's selling 50, 60, 70 million copies. How much resources do you want to invest? And does it make sense for a product that has a finite life cycle? Maybe not 10 years from now, but certainly 20 years from now. You know what? The funny thing is, Gene, I think that the iPhone will go away before the Mac does. I think the iPhone will be replaced with um, some kind of um, um, some kind of uh, uh, device that we that we interact with in an entirely different manner than a touchscreen. I think that that'll happen before we don't need a keyboard and large screen for our desktop work. 
We'll discuss those possibilities and more with Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hi, this is Sophie Winnick, longtime distributor and user of Longevity products. In the last few years, my family went through a crisis. Everything else in my life, including my business, had to be put on the back burner. Thankfully, life is getting back to normal now. But the one thing I never had to worry about was my business and my monthly commission. I've been a distributor for Longevity for over 17 years, since before it was Longevity. And I've got to say, the most amazing thing about this company is the people. While my family was in crisis, other distributors stepped in and helped my customers simply because that's what longevity people do, even for people they don't know. For me, it has never been about getting rich. It was about a product I could stand behind, a company I could count on, and a monthly commission check that has never not once been late in 17 years. Longevity is truly a business for everyone, even people who have too much to do. I'm Sophie Winnick. I'm just like you. I have a real life, real ups and downs, but I know I will always have longevity. So you've got to take a state construction license exam or certification. Can't decide on what books or what chapters to study? Discover right now how you can eliminate unnecessary books and wasted study time. At ContractorExam.com, our study materials zero in on state-required test topics in an effective, multiple-choice format. So whether you're a plumber, electrician, general contractor, or other construction-related trade, ContractorExam.com will help get you prepared. Visit us at www.ContractorExam.com today. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shot the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-403-4885. That's 1-800-403-4885. 1-800-403-4885. Or go to SelectQuote.com. We shop. You save. Get full details on the example policy at slowquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. 
There is an affordable alternative to the high cost of healthcare that offers freedom from insurance while providing compliance with the Obamacare mandate. Imagine having access to quality, affordable healthcare that allows you the freedom to choose your doctor and hospital. Members can share up to 100% of necessary medical expenses, including alternative treatments. Find out how you and your family can contain healthcare costs without giving up your freedom. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. So we are becoming futurists here talking about the Macs of the future, the future of different products, or does the iPad inherit more and more of the Mac-type capabilities and become the future Mac in some ways? Right now, you can't think of it that way at all because of the obvious limitations and the kind of software you could run, the screen sizes, all these other little things where it becomes an occasional notebook replacement and maybe a full-time notebook replacement for some people, but it's a device in the middle. You've got the smartphone at one end, the Mac at the other, and somewhere in the middle is the iPad, and maybe that's where it's doomed to be. What do you think? Well, you know, we we were told by, by Steve Jobs and, to a lesser extent, and Tim Cook in particular, that the iPad was going to replace computers for a lot of people. It hasn't really turned out to quite be the case. It's interesting. I actually spend I spend a ton of time on my iPad, but I'm, most of the time that I spend on iPad is is spent doing things that I just didn't do on my computer. So I mean, it's like to me, it's not so much of a replacement as as it is uh, you know an augmentation of of the things that I do with with my computer. I, I don't know. The thing is, is that there are these core functions to what we consider productivity today. There, there are core functions that are better on a laptop or a desktop computer than they are on a tablet or a smartphone. And I don't see that, that iPad becoming better is really going to change that. Does that make any sense? Sure. I think it's possible still, I think, that Apple can incorporate more Mac-like functions into it, but it's not the ultimate replacement. It is not that device. No, I, I think I think we're gonna we're gonna end up needing to see some other disruptive technology, maybe even two generations later from now of, dis- of disruptive technologies to really replace laptops and desktops, and that what we think of as iPad today is is not it. And maybe that's the object Apple is working on. I think that the Apple Watch will take on more of the functions of a smartphone because Apple will eventually, not too many years distance, I don't think this year, but maybe next year, put a cellular radio in it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. For sure. No, for sure, Apple will do that. As I said, not this year. But it's going to happen. Now, speaking of the Apple Watch, they debuted a new watchOS, watchOS 3. Is 3 times the charm? Because right now, 
Apple Watch is a product a lot of people like but don't love. Some people love it. Some people don't care. I still have my $12.88 watch from Walmart. It's on its second battery, by the way. The first battery died in a year. I went to Walmart and replaced the battery for $5 and change. That's half the price of a new watch. But I'll keep it another year and then maybe get a new watch. So does Watch OS 3 answer the questions between fixing the Apple Watch to make it better and changing like to love? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I Yeah, the, the line I used during... Well, uh, the, the line I just said, I didn't use it, but the line I just said during the our live coverage of the um, of the keynote itself was that watchOS 3 may finally bring Apple Watch alive. And, you know, I, I know I've said on the show many times that I like my Apple Watch. I don't love it. That remains the case. I could see falling in love with watchOS 3. See, I haven't used it yet. I don't actually know that that's going to be the case. And so I'm not saying that I am in love or I will be in love, but I can see it happening. Now, one of the previous visits you made to the Tech Night Out Live, you were going to remove your Apple Watch for a while to see if you could live without it. You yep. never did a follow-up. What happened? Got through the week just fine. Wore, I wore my mechanical watch um, a, a lot and loved it and just really, really fell in love with my mechanical watch again. Um, and kind of essentially got to the point where if, if uh, I want to, I, I can definitely just take my Apple watch off and, and, and not put it back on. Would watch OS three based on its potential make you change your mind? It's possible. Watch OS three. And then maybe even the next generation of, uh, of, of Apple Watch itself, the hardware. You know, one of the things that we learned um, in the last week uh, from a, uh, an interview that Phil Schiller and Craig Federighi uh, did, those are two Apple uh, senior vice presidents, the interview they did with John Gruber on the talk show live. And one of the things we learned from that interview was that Apple sandbagged with the physical capabilities of the Apple Watch. They overcompensated for what they allowed the watch to do in order to make sure that battery life worked for most users. They had to cripple it, is what you're saying. Yes. So that's why a watchOS 3 is going to do all these amazing new things, and it's going to do it on the original hardware. And that says to me that the next generation of Apple Watch is going to be absolutely thinner and probably a lot more attractive. That, that, that would be my guess. So, yeah. So, maybe, maybe I, I, I could definitely see falling in love with the new generation of Apple Watch hardware uh, along with the, the new generation of software, too. I did get a little bit of FaceTime with an Apple Watch at long last. I went to the Apple store to replace a keyboard with a space bar that was occasionally sticking. This is a standard Apple Bluetooth keyboard, not the Magic Keyboard, which I kind of prefer, but they wouldn't upgrade me. They said, we can't do that. I said, why? Well, you're Apple. Figure it out. No, we can't do that. I said, okay. Maybe they didn't have any replacement keyboards in for Magic Keyboard. So I got a replacement, and I noticed that the genius was wearing his Apple Watch. And I said, can I try that out? And he says, sure. And I played with it for a little while. 
And I thought, comparing that to the performance of my iPhone, which is an iPhone 6, not an iPhone 6S, I thought it really lagged quite a bit. It wasn't that snappy. And it wasn't just, well, the apps load slower. It is just doing normal functions with the digital crown. I thought it was jerky. You get my point? Mm-hmm. Do you notice the same thing? Um, yeah, there's there's a bit of a... This is part of that, that sandbagging that Apple did. It turns out this is part of that sandbagging that Apple did. So, yeah, I think that there's a lot of... So there's there's a lot of performance stuff that Apple is doing by... In, in WatchOS 3, they're going to allow um, apps to do background updates. That's That's one of the biggest things. So that when you launch it, it doesn't go and get information from the interwebs it instead has already gotten that information and boom it can just display it the issue of course being power efficiency do you lose some battery life does it make it more efficient by software tricks that's a question we'll ask in our next segment with brian chaffin of the mac observer i'm gene steinberg with a 12 dollars 88 walmart watch on the tech night out live <laughs> listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with Principal Office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation. Reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Imagine your life five years from now. Are you on the path you want to be on? It's time to take control of your future by getting a world-class education from one of the nation's top universities. Arizona State University is now offering over 100 top-tier degree programs 100% online. It's the exact same degree our on-campus students receive, but you can learn from anywhere in the country on your own schedule. 
For information, call 1-800-939-9634. Learn from ASU's world-renowned faculty and use ASU's global recognition to improve your visibility, professional network, and gain real-world experience you can start using today. The Wall Street Journal ranked ASU fifth in the nation for producing the best qualified graduates. Now discover how ASU Online can stand out on your resume and help separate you from the competition. We are ready to help you learn to thrive in your life, in your career, and beyond. To learn more about ASU Online degrees, call 1-800-939-9634. That's 1-800-939-9634. Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich? Working harder than ever, but getting nowhere? Do you hate spending hundreds of dollars every week on daycare? Having someone else raise your children? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. At Be The Boss Network, you'll find hundreds of work-from-home opportunities that you can literally start today and be earning money as soon as next week. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss. Get out of the rat race. Work from home. Go to freedom106.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom, the number 106.com. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to freedom106.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Okay, watch OS 3. Do you think Apple found ways to make it so efficient in the way it uses its power, that battery life stays essentially the same. Uh, I would imagine that we're going to see a slight hit to battery life. The, I, pure speculation on my part. I haven't even tested out the developer uh, preview, let alone, of course, you know, a shipping version. I suspect that we'll see a slight hit to battery life, but the flip side of that is that most people get through a day with 20, 30% of their, of their battery life intact. Uh, some people even more. So even if there is a slight hit to battery life, I don't think that there. I don't think there's going to be a practical effect for the vast majority of Apple Watch users. You're still going to have to overcharge. You're still going to have to charge it overnight. If that changes, it'll change with the next Apple Watch. What Apple tends to do when it comes to battery life is Apple gives us the same battery life with less battery. In future versions, I think we're going to see a dramatically smaller Apple Watch, which will mean less battery, and you'll still need to charge it overnight. I think that that's Apple's target for this, and that it will be Apple's target for this for years to come. So there's no such thing as, oh, it'll last two days before I have to charge it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Apple. No. Yeah. Absolutely not. Well. Whatever you say. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to get an Apple Watch yet. I think when it becomes a standalone device, it would be possible because it can potentially replace most feature phones that way. Uh, can it really? If it's not a companion device, you know, where where are you managing your contacts or, you know, even 
like you know calling people you know how are you siri yeah maybe siri does it siri does all that work siri does the dialing siri announces who's calling with maybe a small display can you get me brian chaffin's email address yeah i mean there are people out there there's still people out there who buy a mobile phone just to make phone calls there are people out there who do that yeah but are those people going to be buying an apple watch well, if it's doing all the other stuff, all the fitness stuff and all the notifications, and it can I, also make phone calls without I, I the need to be tethered to an iPhone. I maybe. think there's absolutely a limit to what Apple Watch can do with Siri because of uh, processor and storage space. Yes, in 2016 or 2017. Yeah. Considering the fact that Siri's abilities are going to scale, I don't, I don't see that changing. Not in practical terms. Well, I guess I could sort of say, well, we're looking at the Apple Watch today, not where Apple intends to move the platform. Yes. Again, I don't know what it would take for Apple to build an Apple Watch that, number one, I'd find worth spending the money for and replace the watch I have. So that's a big question mark. Then again, think of it this way. The iPhone does a lot of stuff that maybe you didn't expect a smartphone to do in 2007 when it first arrived. Sure. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. I mean, in a sense, it's a full personal computer that goes in your pocket. Yes, the input is limited, although you can use a Bluetooth keyboard with it, but the input is limited now in the things you can do. But the processor power is there. Yeah, the processing power is there. There's a lot that iPhone will do. There's a lot that iPad will do as well. Um, and as Apple works on Siri, like, you know, one of the things that Apple is doing in iOS 10 is opening up Siri to six, um, six app categories. And th- that is maybe because you have to realize, too, that the, the Apple is constrained a bit by how much of Siri, how much processing that Siri is doing is being kept local to the device rather than offloaded to the cloud. And that has enormous uh, enormous computational needs. For instance, uh, we know that uh, the deep learning feature that Apple is adding to photos, this is uh, where it basically uh, photos on your iPhone are, is going to know that you've taken a photograph of a horse or a mountain or uh, someone that you've identified as Aunt Susie. And it's doing all of those computations local to your device. It's not taking your photograph, uploading it to the cloud, processing it, and sending the information back. And Apple's doing this to protect our privacy, which I am just all for. But Apple is doing 11 billion calculations per photograph for its deep learning process. And we know, for instance, again, from that same interview uh, with Craig Federighi and Phil Schiller, that Apple very cleverly has your back catalog of photographs. Those will only be processed overnight when you're plugged in. And whereas your phone is powerful enough to do those calculations on the fly with new photographs you take. But when it comes to large batches, you don't want your your phone turning into a, you know, molten hunk of lava <laughs> as it's processing thousands and thousands of photographs. Because that becomes an Android phone. 
<laughs> exactly. So, I mean, the, the point is, is that the, a lot of what Apple is doing requires massive computational power on your phone. And that will, uh, I, I think that the abilities of Apple's processors are always going to lag behind what Apple actually wishes that they could do local to your device. And that's an issue here, too. We see the increasing need for iCloud storage. All these features from Mac OS Sierra, optimized storage, the ability to share your desktop and documents folder. Most people aren't going to have enough iCloud drive storage space for that. You know, you're getting five gigabytes now. Does Apple have to give you more free storage? Uh, yeah, iCloud needs to scale. That's that's for sure. And I, I actually think that Apple looks pretty cheap compared to what you can get from uh, competing cloud services on, on the storage side. And considering how much money Apple has, that's a bit perplexing to me. You know, it seems like Apple should actually be leading that front, not lagging far behind. But at the same time, of course, iCloud storage will scale over time. I think they should be giving you 25 to 50 gigabytes standard and then sell the remaining space for cheaper. And I'll give you an example of value, like the OneDrive from Office 365. You spend $9.99 for an Office 365 home package. You get five user licenses for Office for Mac and PC, five licenses for the mobile version. You get five one-terabyte drive spaces for five users. That's five terabytes for $9.99. Apple gives you one terabyte for $9.99 and nothing else. And I think I'd like to see Apple offer that for $4.99 and maybe offer two terabytes for $9.99. Something that would make it more sensible. But then we have problem number two, which is if you want to use these features with Mac OS Sierra and say your iCloud storage is just fine. What about your ISP's bandwidth cap? Yeah, that's something that's outside of Apple's control, at least for now. Well, they uh, should be warning you. They're, right now, if you look at the description for Mac OS Sierra, and I realize it's preliminary. They just came out with a preview version for developers. A lot more will be fleshed out. There should be some terms and conditions saying may require more iCloud storage space. Something like that. Sure. And there should be something that says, please also check with your ISP's bandwidth limits. Well, if golly, why, why can't our computers actually be smart enough to check with our um, ISP? Like, you know, we, we give our Mac our, our uh, cable internet login credentials, and then our Mac helps monitor that for us. That, that, that's something that should be a thing. We'll talk more about that in our next segment with Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Joe Alton, MD of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family medical bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. That's store.doomandbloom.net. You'll be glad you did. This is David Cordani, CEO of Cigna. For more than 20 years, Cigna has worked with the March of Dimes to address premature births in the U.S. Premature births cause horrible suffering and cost billions of dollars each year. That's why Cigna is committed to raising funds and awareness through our employees, family, and friends to improve the health of moms and babies. Please join us in supporting the March for Babies. Start your team today at marchforbabies.org. Would it be okay if you had two paychecks instead of one? I'm Pharmacist Keith. Dr. Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy and myself, want to show you how to get an extra paycheck every month, creating an extra income that will last for years to come by joining Dr. Wallach's crusade, spreading his message of better health. To learn more, visit radio.recordedvideo.com. That's radio.recordedvideo.com, radio.recordedvideo.com, or call 866-257-3105 for a recorded message. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free, one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call A Place for Mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. 
Attention backpackers on a budget. Why spend $80 to $300 to pump clean survival water? Introducing the Viva Water Pump Kit from Viva Outdoor Products. Super easy to use and super lightweight at only 6.5 ounces, the Viva Water Pump Kit provides high flow rate at 1 ounce per stroke, can be one hand pumped, and is dependable and affordable at only $24.99. Filter not included. Get your Viva Water Pump Kit at viba-odp.com from Viva Outdoor Products. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So the question posed by Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer is, why can't your Mac get information from your ISP about how much bandwidth is being used? And the answer is the ISP doesn't always make it easy to find out. There has to be a way to grab that information. Yeah, that's true. And so, for example, with Cox, I have to log into Cox, then go into its internet area, where I can also check internet speeds. And right there, I will find the amount of bandwidth that I'm using. But sometimes you can't even get it that way. I remember when I had CenturyLink, I had to call them to find the information. There's no easy way. So as you say, yes, the ISP should be feeding you that information and that anyone with a Mac or a PC should be able to know where they stand. Certainly, I can do that very, very easily with my AT&T account. I know how much bandwidth I'm using, but I get you know enough there that half my iCloud storage would be enough to fill all the bandwidth for the month. I think also bandwidth is humongously expensive. And I don't know what capacity considerations that means with what your ISPs can handle. But one, two, or three gigabytes on a mobile contract, that's absurd. Yeah, it it is. That will eventually scale with time, too. And I believe that the ISPs' hands are going to be forced by companies like Apple and, to a lesser extent, Google and, and other content providers, Th- that will change with time. Because right now you have to look at this the way it stands. Most people don't know how much they have. Sometimes they don't have enough to watch Netflix for a couple of hours every day, especially if you're going 4K. Yeah. You know, Netflix is adding 4K. Amazon Instant Video is adding 4K. At what point in time does it become a problem for you? Well, that is a good question. And and the cable companies, the, the internet providers would like it to become a problem for you sooner rather than later because they, you know, see that as opportunities to, to increasing revenue. I mean, the, the, really, the monopoly-based charter system that most of this United States has when it comes to uh, cable internet providers in particular, that does everything possible to inhibit the rate of innovation and growth. Is that going to change anytime soon? I kind of doubt it. Well, I think anyone who exceeds their bandwidth cap, and quite often it's because they didn't know, and there's no way to check it, there's no way to confirm it, unless, of course, you're able to have your individual devices give you a list of throughput through all their devices, your TV set, your Apple TV, your Roku. It's, It's ridiculous. The thing is here is that With all this stuff going on, at some point in time, something is going to have to give. 
And I don't know the FCC is even making a deal of it. They talk about net neutrality. They talk about all these issues. When Charter and Times Warner Cable merged, they had different terms and conditions about how that was going to be managed. Mm-hmm. But I don't recall any saying unlimited bandwidth or anything that loosens that. No. Internet providers in the United States, with the exception of companies like Google, Google Fiber is, is kind of like a, a, you know, a whole entirely new player in this market. But, but other than Google, with Google Fiber, the cable industry has absolutely no interest in accelerating how much bandwidth we have access to because it costs them money. Exactly. It's a matter of capacity. And obviously, they will spend as little as possible. Yeah, of course. They want to maximize profits. It's the American way. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm looking, for example, here at Gigabit Internet from CenturyLink. It tells you how fast it is. And it's symmetrical, which means you get the same performance up and down. Hmm. Isn't that exciting? It is exciting. And Google Fiber is doing, uh, you know, doing gigabit speeds through fiber. I mean, that's and and Google has a vested interest in you doing more interneting. You know, that's that's the you know, that's that's why they're like I said, they're they're a completely new player in this market. I, I just wish they would expand Google, Google Fiber to more markets faster. Was it now like four or five cities? Um, yeah, if that with more coming, supposedly. But, you know, San Jose has been one of the uh, target cities uh, scheduled for expansion for years now, and we haven't seen it yet. Well, I have to tell you this here. At least it has inspired the regular ISPs to add gigabit internet. Some do it asymmetrical, by the way. They use existing hardware to give you a gigabit internet down, Okay. But up, it's like 30 or something like that. Figuring, well, you're not going to really have to send stuff, upload stuff at that speed. So we'll give you the download, which is what you really want. And the upload speed's going to be a lot less. But it also means it's cheaper for them because they have new cable modems that can manage more channels at the same time. And therefore, they can do this with most existing wiring But they're not going to build fiber to every home now, especially if you live in a crummy area like I do. I can get 300 here. 300 down, 30 megabits up. That's the best I can do. And where I live, I'm lucky to get that, Mm -hmm. if I can afford it. But you and your palatial estate, of course, (laughs) you can get 10 terabytes a second. No, actually, my, I've I've got uh, I've got uh, Comcast, and my speeds here are not what I want them to be. They're not, they're not what I'm paying for either. What are you getting? Um, well, let's look at what today's is. Um, last time I checked, I think I was getting like forty megabits down, and like eight or. 12 up or something like that I'm paying for more but it's hard it's it's very difficult to actually know how much of that is the wiring in the house and how much of that is uh, an issue with comcast and i actually suspect that it's more of an issue with the house well you could of course call comcast and say come to my home and make it right give me what i paid for uh comcast is not responsible for the wiring in your house so that's their argument that the wiring no, in the house is inferior yes that's what i was actually that's what i was told when, when we had everything installed so you'd have to redo the wiring in the house. Correct. And would cost you an arm, a leg, and a foot? Yes. And that is legitimately not Comcast's fault. 
Always an excuse. They always have excuses. Heck, you can get 50 with copper wire or 100 megabits with CenturyLink. That's copper wire, folks, to your home. Like from, what, 1930? Speaking of old technology, the things they could do. Brian Chaffin, please tell our listeners where they can find more of the stuff that you do. I am writing daily at MacObserver.com as the editor-in-chief. I'm involved in TMO's Daily Observations podcast, as well as the Apple Context Machine podcast. And you can find my personal blog at geektells.com. You can find us on Twitter if you're so inclined. And that's Tech Night Owl. Look for Tech Night Owl on Twitter. You can also find Gene Steinberg on Facebook if you're so inclined. And how does that work? Well, all you have to do is look for the guy in the red plaid shirt. And if you find him, he's probably me. We have another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night, which we kind of touched on when we were talking about reverse technology at Roswell. And by the way, there is a book called Day After Roswell where they talk about that. And this week on the Paracast at Paracast.com, we've got a writer named Robert Damon Schneck. What a name for a writer. Perfect. He's written a book called The Bye-Bye Man and Other Strange But True Tales. And this creature also is a subject of a horror film coming in December. The Bye-Bye Man. How about that? Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. And don't forget our special service, subscription service called Tech Night Owl Plus at plus.technightowl.com. What's our stock and trade? A commercial free version of this show. Better quality audio. You will hear Brian Chaffin and John Martellaro and all our great guests with perfect, perfect audio. I'll sound the same because that's who I am. <laughs> but it's a modest subscription rate. Monthly, annual, five years, even a lifetime. And, you know, if I have to be hanging on with respirators and cyborg parts, I'll hang on for many years. Go to plus.technightowl.com. I don't know where I started that. Plus.technightowl.com. Brian Chaffin, thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thanks for having me, Gene. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.